From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, welcome back to State of the Nation. It's time for hour number two. I'm Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. And there's Brian Hesher McLean. He's in Central Texas, and you can find us always at tntradio.live and, of course, all the streaming platforms. Man, oh, man, Hesh. Lionel was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> he had some things to say about Fanny, didn't he? Yeah, well, you know, as a lawyer watching that, you know, I would think that if you're a lawyer, you're always a little bit, you know, I know that I'm the punchline of a lot of jokes. And then when you see Fanny Willis go up there and, and basically underscore all those jokes, it would probably get you mad. So I get it to a degree. So, but boy, he was on fire. Hey, by the way, last, uh, last December, Julian Assange's two day public hearing was set uh, for February 20th and 21st. Of course, that comes up tomorrow at the UK high court. This will determine whether Julian will get a chance to Uh, appeal this decision or whether he's going to be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting live and covering both days of the event, if if that's what it takes. And then, of course, TNT is going to be floating around London uh, and and doing some live hits. Also, by the way, you know, the London premiere of the Trust Fall, Julian Assange, went down at the Rio Cinemas yesterday. Uh, And if you want to find out more about the film, and it's a good one, just uh, do a web search for the trust fall, Julian Assange, as we light the fuse for freedom on today's news talk, TNT. I would love to have been at that premiere in London yesterday of the trust fall, but I'll guess I have to watch it online. Yeah. Anyway, Hesh, um, listen, have you, uh, who was it we had on last week who was saying that they think Hillary Clinton may decide to run again and she may be the answer to the uh, to the Joe Biden problem. You remember that? We were talking to somebody. I forget, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Been, but It might have been Rob. It might have been Rob Garson. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll have to look at our archives and verify. I just remember that when, when he said it, uh, I just it, it kind of cast a pall over me. I was like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we've been talking about Michelle Obama so long. We're all kind of like, you know, armored up for that one. And then he's like, No, H Dog coming back, Hillary coming in the room. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, boy. No, no, not again. Yeah, exactly right. Well, get this Hillary Clinton claims that Trump will withdraw the U.S. from NATO if he's elected. Now, just listen to this and see if you can spot the projection going on here. Hillary Clinton, I'm reading from Fox, uh, Fox Digital.Live or whatever. Hillary Clinton uh, warned this weekend that former President Trump will try to withdraw the U.S. from NATO if he wins re-election in November. Here's where the projection comes in. This is a quote. We have a long struggle ahead of us, and the obvious point to make about Donald Trump is to take him literally and seriously. He means what he says. People did not take him literally and seriously in 2016. Now he's telling us what he intends to do. And people who try and wish it away or brush it away are living in an alternative reality. He will do everything he can to become an absolute authoritarian leader if given the opportunity to do so. And he will pull us out of NATO, even though Congress passed a resolution saying that he couldn't without congressional support because 
He will just not fund our obligations. Now, I'm saying that there's a lot of projection going on here. Who the hell is Hillary Clinton to accuse Donald Trump of being an authoritarian after we witnessed what has happened to Donald Trump for the past six years going straight on up until today? Uh, They're the ones with the authoritarian, tyrannical penchant, don't you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, still no, no resolution on the servers. The, that was completely illegal. Uh, America is still very upset about Benghazi, you know? Um, and I mean, just, I don't, don't make me go down the list. Don't, please don't make me go down the list of, uh, Clinton family transgressions and Clinton family associations and Clinton family, um, NGO funding. You know, it's just like, we need to, we need to not go there. I know, especially given the fact that Russia, Russia, Russia was all started, now we know, probably by Brennan, uh, under under the CIA director under Obama, with Hillary sitting in the room saying, this is how we're going to take him out. And then for her to turn around and say, he's an authoritarian, it's just all too rich. This is what you can do when you have 98% of the media in your back pocket. You can make these ridiculous, specious claims. So there you go. And that's, would we expect anything less or more from the Clintons? No, probably not. Hey, TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say that they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24-7, seven days a week. So uh, no one else does what we do is what we're saying. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day, all night. In just two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from the mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live, and if you can, make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our very important mission at today's News Talk. We'll be right back on State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Well, we've been discussing this absurd $355 million ruling against Donald Trump by this freakish hard-left hack of a judge and a Soros-funded DA that ran on bringing down Trump Well, the question now shifts not to Trump so much, but rather on the blowback that this ruling is going to have on business, on the business interests of New York City, as well as the perception and the reality of the New York Department of Justice. Let's break it all down with our friend, director, uh, director of the Center for Regulatory Reform at CPAC. It's Andrew Langer. Andrew, well, this ruling was absurd. It's good to hello. It's going to cost over 400 million when you add uh, the interest to it. I don't know that he's going to pay a penny of that, probably not, but he has to put up almost $400 million just in escrow in order to move it to appeal. Have I got that right? It's it's a certain percentage. I don't remember how much it is to go to, to how much the bond has to be. You know, bonds never quite equal the penalty that's out there. Um, but yeah, he's got to put up money that again. Right. I mean, he went to sneaker con over the weekend and, and sold a bunch of sneakers. So who knows what, uh, what, uh, tricks Donald Trump will be able to pull out of, up his sleeves, but you're right. Um, that this, this sent, this sends a real chilling message to businesses well outside of, uh, the, the Trump 
empire or Trump Inc., whatever you want to call it, uh, so much so that the governor, Kathy Hochul, had to go on and, and give a speech and say that other businesses don't have to worry. I mean, essentially admitting that this was all political uh, so that uh, uh, so that other businesses wouldn't uh, all of a sudden flee, uh, move their headquarters out of uh, out of New York State. I mean, that's that's where we are. Yeah. And Andrew, I saw that uh, there's there's rumblings going around about uh, shipping, shipping people and truckers, you know, s- some of the more uh, MAGA uh, blue collar workers, if you will, saying, you know what, I'm not going anymore. I'm not going to New York. I'm not going to do it. And I even reached out to one of my friends who's a big rig trucker, and uh, he didn't have a whole lot to add other than most truckers I know already won't go to New York. So I don't know. Do you think there's anything well, to this? I mean, let you know, Hesh, it's interesting because let's let's make it really clear. It's not as though New York has been a particularly business friendly state to this point, especially if you're a blue collar working class business person. And I know that seems a little oxymoronic, but it's not. You know, they make it incredibly difficult, incredibly unfriendly uh, for truckers and others to go into New York City. Lord knows, listen, uh, you guys know this. I was just up in uh, up, up uh, in Manhattan uh, the beginning of January and was going out of my mind because you can no longer park on the street in midtown Manhattan, essentially. Uh, you have to pull into a parking deck, which I don't particularly like to do. They make it they make it very difficult. Now they want to do congestion pricing and congestion tolling. So Lord knows, I I, uh, I I I totally understand if there's you know any reason for truckers to not come to New York, uh, I can get it. Yeah, well, you know, it's not just truckers that are threatening to, and I would think that this would probably mostly apply to independent owner operator truckers that oh, yeah. just are going to say, screw it, I'm not dealing with that. I mean, if you work for a fleet, uh, you're making that trip, but it's not sure. just that. Uh, that New York has to sweat. It's also the reputation that the DOJ of New York has come under now. I mean, even some conservatives, hell, Kathy uh, Kathy Turr on MSNBC even said straight to the camera, is this fair? So a lot of people are looking at this ruling uh, and they're saying this is absurd on its face. It's obviously beyond punitive. It's, it's uh, effectively trying to destroy the man. Um, how does this play out for the for for the DOJ of New York? Well, I mean, listen, it's it's a situation where we already know that the political system has been thoroughly corrupted in New York. In any case, I mean, scandal after scandal, governors resigning right and left, right. I mean, it's it's it. This is this has been a trend. People in Albany uh, getting arrested, getting convicted, et cetera, for uh, for bribery. Um, and so, you know, this is what happens when you have essentially a one party state. And, and the real issue is, you know, what do cooler heads do down in the city, uh, uh, out on the island in Westchester County? Because right outside of the city, you know, north of Westchester County, that is, you know, you can get fairly conservative fairly quickly. Uh, and so that's the, the real question as to what do these folks do in terms of trying to get reforms done in, in New York? But this is not the first. It certainly won't be the last. Uh, certainly, on a it, it does lend on a nationwide scale uh, to this message that there is something fundamentally broken in our criminal justice system. Uh, not just the two tiered justice between those who have and those who haven't, but depending on whether or not you're on the red or blue team, what kind of justice you actually get. Yeah, and do you think Kathy Hochul's um, pleas are going to be falling on deaf ears? Because you know Trump's been saying for a while, you know, if they're going to do this to me, they're eventually going to do it to you. 
I think that uh, comment might weigh a little heavier on people that are actually looking at, you know, their, their business, you know, their career, if you will, as opposed to, oh, don't worry, we won't do that to you. Right. Here, here's my hope. You know, and this gets into the work that I'm doing for the Center for Regulatory Freedom, right, which which is a situation in which we now have at the federal level about a million separate, maybe a million and a half separate regulatory mandates that people have to follow. And what it does is and it's no, there's no possible way for everybody to know to know what their obligations are under the law 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so it creates a situation which is very much akin to the Stalinist era of the Soviet Union, in which you had the head of the Soviet secret police who used to say, or did say at one time, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. And and, and so, you know, when you have laws that are so complex and are so uh, widespread that anybody can be guilty of anything, uh, then, then if you have political opponents, they can weaponize the law against you. And that's certainly what we've seen against Donald Trump, right? Remember, one aspect of this was what? That Donald Trump paid more in taxes than he was supposed to in New York? Apparently, that's now a crime in New York City. This is <laughs> this is the level of insanity. So what my hope is, is that folks are going to, uh, are starting to understand more uh, this Laurenti Beria-like situation that we are all finding ourselves in. Uh, and it makes my work not easier, uh, but certainly has a much greater backing in terms of reforming the regulatory state. Well, especially when the regulatory state seems to be a one-way street. I right. mean, hell, we're talking about uh, if we shift our focus to Fulton County in Atlanta, we've got a DA, again, as I mentioned in the lead-in, uh, that is a, a, a another Soros-funded DA who hires a traffic attorney. He's never prosecuted a felony case in his entire career, but he is sleeping with the DA, and he's going to prosecute for his very first felony, a RICO case against Trump. The absurdity of it. I'm not even a lawyer, and I realize the absurdity of that. Uh, and then moving fast forward to New York City, you see uh, Engeron, uh, and his wife, I mean, you go look at his wife's Twitter feed. Yeah. Good Lord. Anybody that looks at this stuff and doesn't see the obvious political hit that's being put on this man, well, they're not really looking at it, are they, Andrew? Uh, listen, all I know is the the it, the entire situation down in Fulton County can be summed up by the fact that uh, uh, Fonnie Willis showed up at court uh, with her dress put on backwards. Which I find I find fascinating to me, but again, there's there's a metaphor in there in there somewhere, but right, this is this is you know what it comes down to, Steve. It's audacity or chutzpah, as we would call it, those of us from the tri-state area. Uh, it is the abject chutzpah of these people, and why? Because they believe that they are above the law, uh, and so they simply don't care. They can operate with impunity, uh, and no one is going to hold them accountable. And this is. What we are starting to see in places like Fulton County is that, oh, maybe folks are going to sit up and finally notice, and they are going to hold them accountable there. Now, I don't know, you know, New York City, right? I'm not saying it's a lost cause, but yeah, you know, it, it's a situation in which we know what this judge believes. How can Donald Trump possibly get a fair trial there? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not going to happen. I, but do you think um, this is going to fall apart in the end is it going to go to a higher court under appeals i mean do you think he'll actually end up having to pay for for our final question 
I, I, I think it's doubtful. Listen, I always go back to uh, um, uh, Bob McDonald, the governor of Virginia, uh, who, again, right, we want to talk about early examples of DOJ being weaponized against him. Bob McDonald was a rising star in the Republican Party. Um, the, he was a direct threat to Barack Obama, brought up on charges by the DOJ, convicted uh, by a leftist uh, prosecutor, a leftist court, uh, and then later overturned by the Supreme Court. And But his reputation is is gone. I mean, with Donald Trump, it's slightly different. I think that's part of the reason why Donald Trump fights back so much is that he sees what happened and saw what happened to Bob McDonald. And he says, you know something, I'm not going to let them do that to me. So I think it's overturned on appeal. But then again, right, they have what they want, which is chaos and and destroying Donald Trump's reputation. And in their view, trying to make it so that he's too toxic to be a reelected president. And yeah, by the way, just go. real quick as an aside, just as an aside, that prosecutor that, that destroyed Bob McDonald, that was Jack Smith. Right, that's that right. Jack and that, yes, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. that was Jack <laughs> yeah. Smith. I always forget to add that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm glad you threw that in there, Steve. That's an important piece. All right, Andrew Langer, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry we're not going to be there with you at CPAC this year. We'll have to do it next year for sure. Absolutely. Have a great trip Definitely. down there and looking forward to hearing an update from you. Uh, maybe even during or at least after we can get a little bit of after action report for you. Uh, Andrew Langer, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you again next time right here at State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Dean Mackin. They want him to do a cognitive test. Now, I don't know what the rule is when it comes to driving in America or over in the UK. I can tell you that here in Australia, after you get to a certain age, and I think it's your 60s or 70s, you are required to have regular tests to make sure that you're still able to drive a motor vehicle. And it's definitely well into your, you know, probably your late 60s, definitely your 70s. Here's Joe Biden in his 80s, and he won't take a cognitive test. This is the guy who leads the largest and most powerful Western nation. Uh, some would have you believe the most powerful nation in the world. Uh, I think that time has come and gone. I think that that ship has sailed. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Uh, George Soros looks set to control radio company Odyssey, and it's more than 220 stations nationwide, of course, stoking fears of an ultra-progressive billionaire having a megaphone during the 2024 election. Joining us now to break this down is our friend Gene Valentino of the Grassroots Truthcast and GeneValentino.com. Gene, uh, this is disturbing a lot of people this is kind of this this story broke last week and it's interesting to me to watch the uh 
the reaction from the public because it used to be you'd hear things about Soros and they'd say, oh, you, you can't talk bad about him. You're anti-Semite if you say anything bad about George Soros. But now it's just like, oh, no, George Soros, 20, 220 stations? No. You know what I mean? The nation is like mourning right now. The George Soros Radio Network starring <laughs> Fred Gwynn, also known as Herman on the Munsters. Former former judge on a Trump case that went upside down overnight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, how bad is this? I mean, some might argue, Gene, that, well, you know, this is largely terrestrial radio, but I looked into Odyssey a bit. They're in podcasting as well. They're not as, uh, you know, old school as one might think. So it is... Uh, Definitely a, a noteworthy blip in the media sphere. What do you think? What's the effect? Well, the effect is uh, private uh, social Marxist uh, uh, misfit interests trying to take hold of public opinion. And I don't see it surviving. Uh, oh, he, he may have to sell off part of the network or he may find himself in a psychological transformation of his own if he expects to live off revenue and advertising mainstream media will, and main, the mainstream public uh, uh will will be for will have to impose their their uh, uh acceptance or denial of his programming format and that political extreme uh, it's not even progressive. It's so far left that I think it's, uh, if people don't realize it's a socialistic Marxist, Marxist approach to transforming your thinking. You remember, uh, free enterprise failed under Marxism and socialism. Uh, the, the, the government is going to uh, force business people to have to think differently under that kind of thinking, and as a result, under uh, under uh, Soros's thinking, and if they do, then free spirit of free enterprise is going to wash by the wayside. So I don't see it surviving because the very listener to a Soros network of radio and television is anti-free spirit, anti-democracy, anti-economic, uh, and it's going to encroach on free enterprise. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, is uh, Gene, it's so great to see you as always. Um, the thing is, is liberal talk radio, it almost sounds oxymoronic, and there's a reason for that, <laughs> because it never lasts. I mean, one of the funniest bits I ever heard was when Alec Baldwin tried to host a talk radio show in New York, and you could tell, listen, I, I'm not going to pretend that I, I can be a great actor, but I do know how to do radio, and Alec Baldwin did not. It was a, it was a disaster. Yeah. But the problem is, is you have what the left does, and you know this, Gene, and if you don't know it, ask Mike Lindell. They will go after you if they don't like your political stance. And they will try and ruin you. They will organize boycotts. They will do whatever they have to do. Rush talked about this years ago, the late, great Rush Limbaugh. Um, uh, Hannity's mentioned it. Hell, all of them. Levin, all of them. But they can't get listeners to their own platform. How does George Soros think that he's going to force that? Because while he may be able to say, 
well, we can afford it if we don't have a lot of listeners. I've got a bank. I can bankroll all of this. 220-some-odd stations, That even for George Soros, that's a lot to bankroll if you're not getting the advertisers uh, because you're not drawing any listeners. Absolutely, Stephen. And now compare that to your earlier guest and this undercurrent of American truckers who are refusing to deliver goods and services to New York City, it might uh, it might explode to the entire state. But if 10% of the goods and services are denied in the city of New York City, you're talking about a catastrophic failure of an economic supply chain network system in just the city. That is the power of the public that George Soros is in for a surprise with. He can't control the economy. He can try through government and through regulation, which hopefully the people will wake up and realize government control of your free enterprise capability is a wrongful thing. But when until then, until government's overreach is really pervasive, think of those American truckers. The story I read today, I think, is the same thing you're referring to, is only 10% of these, in, just the independent truckers now, not mind you, these aren't the the uh, con- the truckers working for bigger trucking fleet firms. I'm talking about the independent guy who pulls his trucking rig up into the back of his yard and enjoys a, his own private way of life and waits for his trucker broker to put him on the next job delivery. Those guys... If they uh, boycott New York City, New York City, sanctuary city, Mr. Adams, are you listening? Because this is the tip of the iceberg for every other blue sanctuary city that's trying to uh, support uh, the the human uh, concern that we should have for all these illegal migrants now being uh, suggested come into your home and mine and take the spare couch and live with us is, is antithetical to everything else that we have before us that would be norm, what I would call normal free enterprise. So Soros, I don't think, is going to have a very good experience with his free market um, approach. He's got a lot of bucks to acquire the network. I'll give you that. But you gotta you gotta keep that network running off loyal subscribers, loyal listeners, loyal advertisers. I don't think it's gonna follow through in a society that doesn't appreciate Marxism and socialism. Yeah, you'd think he could look at the numbers that CNN, MSN, DNC, all the all these you know outlets. You'd look at the numbers that they're pulling in these days and go, wait a minute, maybe this is a bad investment. These you know long-standing media giants are uh, now on the wane. Uh, definitely not looking good. Seem to only be being played in um, I don't know airports and hotel lobbies, perhaps. But Gene, we've got a headline inbound, and when we get back, I want to pick up on this topic and and kind of pick your brain about does an enterprise like this for someone like George Soros even need revenue, or is narrative control maybe worth more than a loss of revenue? So we'll pick up right there after this headline with today's news talk TNT. Today's News Talk Radio. I like hearing the news. News. A lot of news. TNT Radio News. Top of the hour, every hour. TNT. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. German businesses anticipate the country's economy to shrink by 0.5% this year. 
According to a survey of over 27,000 companies by the DIHK Chambers of Industry and Commerce, a significant fire erupted at an industrial recycling facility for hybrid and electric car batteries in southern France. A new poll suggests that Boris Johnson could reclaim the support of lost conservatives if he were to lead the Tory party in the next election. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gene, we live in a befuddling age where it seems as though media giants are willing to take an L financially uh, just to have their sword in the cultural warfare. Do you think this could uh, sort of be the category that Soros is looking at right here? Or as Hillary Killary would say, what difference does it make? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he can stick his oar in that, in that water. Um, and he is a uh, entrepreneur is entitled to do that. Freedom of uh, expression and entitlement for him should be thought of, uh, he should think of it in terms of extending it to the average uh, person in the same way. But um, sometimes we learn, hey, that's what free enterprise is all about, right? We learn from our mistakes as much as our successes. So maybe he will learn from a few mistakes as to how he's treated people and how he admonishes those who are not from the same class as he is. That's a distinction that other networks and network owners, including TNT, distinguish themselves. Talk about a network. You guys uh, are worrying about the grassroots folks from around the world and getting the word out. I couldn't be prouder. I couldn't be happier to be with such a network of people because you are the people. You do respect the, the average citizen's uh, opinion. And my words, can you imagine a, C, a, a Soros owning a TNT? I wonder what this program would look like after he got involved. Well, we'd have two new hosts. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> and one new and, and one guest gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, Gene, that really drives me nuts about this. First of all, let's make a couple of distinctions here. I, I you guys remember a couple of years ago when everybody was showing a clip of all the newscasters reading the exact same statement, and it was blown up as look at this. They are totally manipulated. Well, that was Sinclair Broadcasting. They are very conservative, and that was their company-wide mission statement. That always got misconstrued and taken out of context. But because I work in radio and I know a couple of Sinclair stations and folks that work at them, I was like, oh, you guys are making a mountain out of a molehill. But this is different because George Soros truly is trying to push a socialistic uh, system, Marxist, if we're honest, down our throats and he will do it no matter what because his he makes money by destroying currency that's how he's always done it so even if he does as to hesher's point even if he says i'll take the financial hit if i can just shape the narrative but what drives me nuts uh guys is that they know the left that is they will use tactics that many on the right would never even contemplate tactics like the boycott tactics like call them up and make threatening phone calls to the host and yep. whatever. And the left does that every day, even as we speak, they're doing it. And I just wonder if, if at some point the American people are going to say, you know what, we're going to flip that and we're going to do it back to you and you and see how you like it. When we call out every advertiser that would even consider advertising on a Soros owned 
uh, uh, Odyssey net, uh, you know, station. Because then all of a sudden it's then all of a sudden it's two can play at this game. I want. Do you think that that's ever going to happen? Do you think that the right would ever employ those kinds of tactics against the left? Well, they could have. Perfect example would have been Murdoch's takeover of Fox uh, going way back to the um, uh, to the early days. We didn't see that happen. There was a balanced approach in both sides of the fence. Uh, and that's what saved. That's what made Fox good for so long. But um, uh, Daddy, uh, uh, da- um, Mur- uh, the father, uh, is now turning a lot of the operations over to the two Murdoch sons, and uh, we see a stronger left tendency at uh, uh, at Fox. But that doesn't mean they're out of the game. It doesn't mean that um, that uh, the public should be denied the right to hear the progressive left side it means that uh that's different than a than a soros coming in and just controlling the narrative which fox does not do and in that spirit keep your eye on and people you were referring to earlier behind the scenes uh michael schellenberger and matt taibbi uh and their background on the uh detail of the Russian hoax as it relates to the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and new developments coming out. Do you think that kind of story would be evidenced on Soros's network? It is on our networks. It is on elsewhere, but that narrative would never get out. You would never know about it if that was your only uh, source of information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and Gene, there's another interesting factor here. There's sort of a um, common uh, reactionary conservative talking point that says, oh, George Soros has been kicked out of six countries. But then you look at the fact checkers and stuff and they're like, well, no, he hasn't been kicked out of six countries. But if you go to like somewhere that's being a little bit more objective about it, like, for example, Investment Watch blog, uh, they talk about it and you know, there there are issues. Uh, countries, uh, Pakistan, Poland, Turkey, Russia, Hungary, um, have all had issues with open society and done things to limit the influence that George Soros's NGO, Open Society, has had in their countries. And even Israel has said Soros is not welcome there. So it's like, you know, it's it's not the kind of thing that you can just push to the side and say, oh, that's a conservative talking point. No, quite factually, in those six and then seven countries, if you had Israel, he has had a lot of negative ramifications on their culture and their media. Well, you brought up an excellent point. I don't know if we have time to go into it, but I will say this. If Soros was a true American, he would welcome alternative expression, just as most American outlets do in this nation. The problem is, is when the narrative's controlled, like you said, mostly in socialistic, um, uh, 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 very Marxist, liberal, uh, communist states, there's no room for free expression over there. The narrative is jammed down your throat. You don't even know what the real narrative is. The beauty in America is that we have those options. What I would suggest, which is a spin a little bit, uh, Brian, on what you're saying is, as Americans, we need to get our congressmen and women to step up and create legislation that denies these foreigners from overzealous influence, including China. We need to recapture to the other extreme all the land and assets they own in the United States and get them out of our stock market as an extreme uh, point I'm making 
to what you're talking about with George Soros. Is George Soros going to be acquiring a network to control a narrative to take down America? And what are we doing about it to prevent it from happening in the first place? Yeah. Well, I would just say this, Gene, to wrap things up on my from my perspective. If we do get Trump as, as, as number 47 and he does win this, I think the first thing he has to do is clean house on all the three-letter agencies, DOJ, uh, probably first among them. And then he needs to take a very hard look at some of these groups, these NGOs that, that Soros funds. And I would start with Media Matters and say, okay, we're going to look at this. And if we find that you have, you say that you're a 501c3 nonpartisan completely, if we find that there's any evidence that that's not true, we're shutting you down. And guess what? That would take about 30 minutes to discover and they'd be done, but we'll see. Gene Valentino, man, I wish we had another hour with you. Make sure to check Gene out at genevalentino.com. Also the Grassroots Truthcast with Gene Valentino on all your favorite streaming platforms. God bless you, Gene Valentino. We'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us on State of the Nation. God bless you, brother. Close the border. There we go. Good, good call. You're watching State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The phony climate war is really a war on the United States of America. Let's take the war in Ukraine. This is insanity. The United States is funding the Ukraine. The entire operation, they, we fund their civil service. But Russia can attack Ukraine because it's growing more prosperous. And how's it growing more prosperous? The same way Iran is funding their proxies. You know what they do? They're selling more oil. And the reason they're selling more oil is because our nation, for some reason, has decided to shut down the energy dominance that we had three or four years ago. My point is this war would not have occurred if the energy policies that we had through 2020 were left, just as the immigration problem would not be what it is now. I can say that. Well, look at the facts. Look at what was going on several years ago. So what I'm going to be trying to get across to people is the different aspects of this phony climate war have become allied with the idea that this is the way you take down the United States. At least a fundamental transformation. And where did we hear that first? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even though it's been weaponized. It's the only weather you've got. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Critically analyzing national affairs. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Okay, well, today as we celebrate uh, celebrate President's Day, uh, have we allowed it to become just another day, just another day on the calendar, another paid day off of work? Not all of us feel this way, of course, but as a society, we've no doubt seen the impugning of our founders and framers. Uh, we've seen statues ripped down. We've seen history not just changed, but wiped clean. And now we must remove the founders and the framers from their time and place in history and rather view them through the modern progressive lens that we're told is the way we're supposed to look at things. All this negative press and far-left curriculum in our public schools, colleges, universities, they've created an ignorance. But all the more galling is that it's all done to destroy genuine American history. Joining us to discuss the importance of our true American history and George Washington's role in it is our friend Peter Roth. Peter, welcome uh, to the program. And I want to just I want to just read a bit from your latest piece, and I and I love it. Washington's birthday deserves to be its own holiday. This is from this is your latest. You know it, but for those who haven't read it, let me just read a couple of paragraphs. The image of America as a great nation, the hope of humankind is not very much in vogue these days. Our common sense of greatness has been eclipsed by naysayers and academic nabobs who argue our, de our democratic experiment is failing not by choice but by design. To them, this failure is the result of choices made just as soon as the first permanent European settlements were established on these shores in the early 17th century. America, as the land of free and the home of the brave, never had a chance. Wow, that says a lot, Peter, but that is kind of the way we seem to be going in uh, in academia, in news coverage, in society, in Hollywood. Uh, happy President's Day, Peter. How are you? It's brother? not. It's not President's Day. It's Washington. It's Washington's birthday. birthday. That's the. Right. <laughs> you read the column at Newsweek.com. That's sort of the point here. Yeah. When, when I am old enough, just old enough, to recognize that when we stopped being reverent in our appreciation of George Washington and everything we did is, I think, when the historical decline started. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. You know, and, and you make a great point in, in that part that Steve read there in the beginning, this, this whole idea of like, oh, it's, it's failing. It's fail. What, what do you mean? It's failing. Like I, I think I'm, you know, I think back to the 1990s, you know, and, and no one felt that way at that point. There were sure there were problems, but it's like we went from the 1700s to the 1990s and the American zeitgeist wasn't just, oh, this is a terrible failure. I mean, what what happened between the 90s and now that led well, us to this? Number one, the challenge as Americans is always to leave the country better than it was when we came into it, whether we came into it um, generationally as children or when we came into it geographically as immigrants. We are an ongoing experiment in self-governance that hopefully will never end. I think the decline started because the left decided that 
poli-sci lecture, trigger warning. Poli-sci lecture begins here. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. A democracy is two sheep and three wolves deciding what they're going to have for dinner. A republic is three wolves and two sheep deciding what they're going to have for dinner with the provision that they can't eat each other. That's an important difference because right now there's so much about the economic success that some people enjoy in this country that the left would just like to, by fiat, transfer to other people, but can't because rule of law still exists. We, we protect property. You know, part of, part of the reason we fought the revolution against Britain was to protect property. The leaders of the revolution were, like Washington, some of the most propertied men in the colonies. And they felt that the results of their hard work were being taken to England and they had no say in the matter. And they wanted a say. And if you read the Declaration of Independence, which everyone should at least once a year, you know, a lot of people go through the Bible in a year, read the Declaration once a year, see what the complaints were, and you will understand why the Constitution is set up the way the Constitution is. The left... Yeah, who, who wants to do all this kind of like ban fossil fuels and impose a wealth tax and um, basically remove parents from the educational equation when it comes to their own children. You can't do any of that because of the various protections that exist under rule of law and in the separation of powers in the federal constitution that's mirrored in every state constitution. The only way they get to win, because when they put these proposals up for a vote, they lose the elections, is to change the structure of government so they get to make decisions for the rest of us. Yeah, and, and that's why they, they try to run everything through the courts as opposed to through the legislature, because they can never get it done through the legislature. You know, when you were just talking there, Peter, you made mention of the, the, the protection of private property uh, and how the left wants to do massive wealth redistribution, which, of course, has always been uh, their, their uh, holy grail. Take from Peter to give to Paul uh, and then eventually which take I, from which Paul. Which I take personal. Yeah, uh, me too. I, and I think most Americans uh, who have any sense of who we are as a people, as a representative republic, should take it personal. And that's part of the problem, though, isn't it? In the schools, whether it's public public schools or whether it's the colleges or whether it's even the Ivy League universities, they're, they're, they're being taught, they're being brainwashed that that's wrong think. You can't think that way. Well, you know what? Donald Trump just had a healthy dose of that handed to him in this civil trial. There were no, no nobody lost money. There were no defendants. And yet he's ordered to pay what will amount to over four hundred million when you add when you add in the interest. Who's getting that money? 
if it's not going to an aggrieved party, I, I think, who's I think it going to go to? Well, I think it goes to the state of New York, but but let's talk exactly. about let let let's talk about rule of law here for a second. This four hundred million dollar fine isn't about the things that he was charged with. This is about punishing him for all the things that he's done that the left doesn't like, like the monetary judgment assessed against him in the E. Jean Carroll case, or the million-dollar assessment against the commentator Mark Stein, who questioned the, um, the hockey stick graph on global warming and the intellectual and scientific integrity of the fellow that came up with it. Actual damages, $1. Punitive damages, a million dollars. Under the legal system, you're not supposed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. But this is a cumulative punishment on people because, because the people who are in power, in this case, juries and judges, don't like the defendants. That's not the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it worked under King George III in Britain and here in the colonies. That's the way it worked in France under the French Revolution. That's the way it worked in Germany under the Nazis. It's the way it worked in China and the Soviet Union under the communist dictators. If you got sideways with the government, they would come at you. They'd take your life. They'd take your liberty. They'd take your property. And that's now, I think, what they're trying to do to, among others, Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, and, and do you think that this is sort of a manifestation of, you know, sort of that we don't revere George Washington anymore? He's sort of been pushed to the side, this idea of, you know, him being one of the, you know, the the people that brought us the idea of represent no no good no we need representation you can't just come and take things that we've done but now it's just a president's day president it's day. it's it's several leagues downstream i mean i'm i'm, I'm not going to say that you know on monday people stopped revering washington and on tuesday they decided to ignore rule of law and punish trump for things that 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 they did that he did that they didn't like but that weren't illegal but would you would you would you just you know whether 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 you read the chernow biography of washington which was a bestseller a decade ago or any of the great books about washington any of the great books about the founders you, you see washington literally and figuratively ahead of all other men one of yeah. the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest man, the the one with the most experience as a military leader who volunteered himself humbly to lead the army in the revolution and then who prevented the army single-handedly, prevented the officers from turning on Congress after the war was over to establish a military dictatorship because they hadn't been paid, who was offered to be made king and said, no, thank you, and went back to Mount Vernon and called out of retirement to be our first president who set 
standards that are still adhered to today by his successors. He's enormous. You know, whether whether or not you believe in the great man of history, Washington is a man who will be remembered by the ages. He will be like Aristotle and Plato and Napoleon and just just one of Moses, one of those people who will be talked about by successive generations of humanity as long as we exist because of the greatness of 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 who he was and what he accomplished yeah and he was and, he was and, often referred refer, referred to as uh, Amer America's uh Cincinnatus of course the Cincinnati yes. society started because of it yes. and you know you know what else uh Peter I'm reminded of what uh King George said when when Washington walked away four years after he became president which is why we get the four-year presidential term uh, of course, that news didn't make it across the pond for about a month because they were talking about wooden sailing ships. And the king was shocked. He said, if this is true, if this man walked away from power after what we've been through, he is the greatest man ever or something. I'm right. paraphrasing, but that was essentially what he was saying. In other words, you, he you walked got, away got from it. You've got, you got it mostly right. And that's true. That, yeah. that, that Washington never stopped being a citizen. And you know th something, though, Peter, I want, I want to mention this to you, because this goes to your point of the peace, really. I remember a short five years ago, Donald Trump saying, they're tearing down Confederate statues now, but give them time, and they're going to go after Washington, they're going to go after Jefferson, and they're going to go after Abraham Lincoln. And everybody on the media was like going, listen to this madman. And now what are they doing? They're removing Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln. Uh, Roosevelt, T.J. Rose, uh, you know Theodore Roosevelt statues being removed. It's just absurd how badly they want to remove our history from us. And I think you're right. Renaming Washington's birthday President's Day was just one of the first chinks in that, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Whether whether it was delivered or not, I think I think that that was, and you know, leave it to the American Congress to think that they can by fiat change somebody's birthday. Um, you, you know, they, they, they turned Washington's birthday into Washington's birthday observed for budget reasons, because it was cheaper to give everybody a three-day weekend to give them a day off in the middle of the week, like happens with the 4th of July. And then we added another holiday to the federal calendar. And rather than, than just it be an addition, they eliminated Lincoln's birthday. And so it became President's Day, Washington and Lincoln. And now it's just President's Day. And it's yeah. an excuse to have a sale at the department store. And yeah. that's not it's, it's, it's really how a shame. we remember Washington. Well, Peter Roth, I would encourage everyone to go read his latest piece at Newsweek.com. You can find a lot of his work there. Also, American Liberty News and, of course, DailyCaller.com. Peter Roth, as always, it's uh, it's always a, a great talk with you. Thank you for joining us today. Even, Brian, glad to be with you on Washington's birthday. That's there we go. Thank you. Share the good wishes oh, of the day. You got it. 
All right. Thank you for joining us today on State of the Nation. The Missy Winston Show is coming up next on today's News Talk TNT.